the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are opened, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. Let us confess our sins. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of the world, we confess that we have sinned against your divine majesty by thought, word, and deed, provoking your wrath against us. We earnestly repent and are sorry for our sins. We grieve to think of them. Their burden is intolerable. Have mercy upon us, gracious Father. Forgive us our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lift up your hearts, the Lord God, according to his promise, is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Therefore, upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you, and in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sin, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Glory be to God on high, and on earth His good will toward men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee. We glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, thy Lord God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou art behind holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, our most high in the glory of God the Father. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this Reformation Day observed. The first reading from the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter, verses 6 through 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reformation epistle from the third chapter of Romans, verses 19 through 28. 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, o And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Confess with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today for this Reformation Sunday is from the epistle reading, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the third chapter. Hear these words again of St. Paul. By the works of the law, no man will be justified in his sight. For all have sinned, Paul writes, and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. These, these words serve as our text. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, the game of golf, like the game of horseshoes, is a game of close and closer. A close approach shot and golf puts you in good position for your next shot. Maybe it's your putt into the cup. A good close shot in golf is admired. Some months ago, on a summer Sunday afternoon, one of my sons and I, we were watching the final round of the British Open golf tournament. With a television crowd of spectators, we too watched as one of the golfers, I don't remember which, one of the golfers drew his backswing and then gracefully struck the ball, and we watched as this approach shot sailed long, long through the air and, and landed within just feet of the flag and the cup. And the gallery obviously erupted with cheers and applause. I was a bit more subdued in my living room, but I joined them in a few expressions of amazement because this was a shot to be admired. And while the shot hit beautifully within feet of the flagstick and the gallery roared and cheered and I with them, this son of mine, he groaned in obvious disappointment and he said, oh, he missed. <laughs> and my son was right, wasn't he? Think what you will of the shot he missed. Now this image... This image, it's a helpful picture to have in mind when we hear St. Paul declare to us that all have sinned. And here's the reason why. The reason why this golf image is so helpful to us is because of the particular word Paul uses for sin. Emartan, in the Greek, it means miss the mark. All have missed the mark, Paul writes. Think of the golfer. And think what you will again of his shot, he missed the mark. Or think of an archer who draws back the bowstring and lets go and misses the target altogether, leaving a target after life's many shots, leaving a target without a single mark. All have sinned, all have missed the mark, we've all gone astray. By nature, though, we like to feel good about what we think to be good shots in life even though they really do miss the mark. Now, well, perhaps we're not as obvious as the golfer who tips his hat or raises his hand. Often, I think, we're more like the modest golfer who simply and quietly puts his club back in his bag, but yet inside greatly admires that shot he just hit. We, too, naturally are inclined to appreciate what we consider to be life's good shots, and often the gallery of our fellow, uh, our fellow man, the spectators all along the course of our life, often they'll applaud and they'll cheer what they too admire and what they see. But how is it that we so often appreciate and evaluate and admire life's good shots, life's good works? 
How do we define good? How do we view the standard of, of what's ordinary and then what's exceptional? How? So often it's the same way that weekend warrior golfers so admire the good golf shots of the pros by comparing the good shots of those professionals with what I've done or what I think I'm capable of doing. And so it is too when it comes to what we imagine will be good and what will be impressive before God. So that we might stand right in his sight. We imagine that the standard for righteousness before God is the same as comparing golf shots. By comparing what I've done or what I'm capable of doing with what others have done or what they do. And so we take and we make Gary Player or Tiger Woods into Mother Teresa. Who becomes to us then who we decide will be the standard of excellence. It's not what Paul says. And therefore it's not what God the Holy Spirit has declared to be. All have sinned. All have missed the mark. All. Sure. To err is human by our sinful nature. To err is human. But yet we're without excuse because to err is still to err. Just because everyone does it doesn't make it right in God's sight. It just, as Scripture says elsewhere, confines all under sin. So that, as Scripture says again, there is no one righteous. No. No one who does good. No, not one, Scripture says. That's why Paul writes, and you heard him write today, every mouth may be stopped and the whole world held accountable before God. We don't set the standard. God has. And you want to know how high he set the bar? Be perfect, Jesus said, as your Father in heaven is perfect. You want to know to what precision, what mark of precision God has set the standard? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, not part of it, not some of it, not even most of it. Close doesn't count here. Close misses the mark. All your heart and mind and soul, and love your neighbor as much as and no less than you love yourself. There's your standard of excellence. There's your standard of rightness, of righteousness before God. So often, though, we, we don't see, we can't see how far short of the mark we fall. Often, as I said, it's, it's because we, we're inclined to compare our thoughts and our words and our deeds with the shots and and the words and deeds of others. But perhaps more often, we don't see how short we fall because we, we tend to measure ourselves not by the precision of our hitting the mark, but we measure our relative goodness by the size of the divot we leave in our wake. You know the divot, that piece of mangled turf and grass that's left behind after a golfer often after a golfer swings. That's how, often, how so often we, we measure our relative goodness by the size of the divot we leave in our life's wake or in the, in the life of another. And so we, we reason, I've been respectful more times than not to my father and mother. I haven't murdered, haven't killed, I haven't murdered, perhaps, because certainly we reason a murderer is going to have a harder time getting into heaven than I. We say, rarely I tell a lie, but when I do, it's only little and a white lie, and it's a small divot, barely noticeable, little damage done. No one's going to notice. I'll just cover it over. 
Maybe I do covet a little, but I certainly don't go actually stealing what I covet. Small divots, we reason. But remember what Scripture says about even the smallest divot? It says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in a single point, he's guilty of it all. It's not unjust. It's even true in our own earthly legal system. A man's condemned for the single wrong he's done. The judge doesn't ask, well, I wonder how many good things you've done. He's judged and he's condemned for for even the single thing that he's done. Now we consider what we've done and left undone. And how can we help but conclude with the psalmist when he says, If thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? All have missed the mark and fall short. And mind you, Paul leaves that in the present tense because it's presently always the case. All have missed the mark and presently we fall short of the glory of God. And friend, the eternal consequences of that sentence upon you are real and they're grave. But thank God that's not where the sentence ends. Thanks be to God that that's not where Paul ends his sentence because that's not where God ends his care and his concern for you. Paul continues his sentence by describing the way that God continued his care. All have sinned. All have sinned, he says, and fall short of the glory of God, but he continues. But now are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you see. God supplied what we needed, and it wasn't a coach. Not a coach to improve our swing in life, not a caddy to advise us on the shots that we take to improve our overall game of life. Not a coach, not a caddy, but he supplied for us a substitute to stand in our place, to stand in your place. We just sang it, for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. Words of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, too, who had tried as hard as anyone can try to live up to the standard and expectation of God's excellence and yet failed like everyone will of himself. Martin Luther called this substitution Christ for you and Christ for me in our place. He called it by a simple but a dearly beautiful name. He called it simply the great exchange. And great is the exchange. For the Son of God, and you've heard this many times But don't cease to marvel at it today. The Son of God came to be for you in your place. What you, what what I have been. Here's how Luther writes about it. He writes how, how Jesus was for us the mark misser. And the greatest of them all, Luther writes, all the prophets did foresee... That Christ should become the greatest transgressor, the greatest mark misser. Misser of the mark, the greatest that ever was or ever could be in all the world. For he being made a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, being our substitute, is not now, Luther says, an innocent person and without sins, but a sinner. See, he's the one 
He's the one to be for us what we've been. And then he continues with what I think is one of his most beautiful passages. He says, Our most merciful Father sent his only Son into the world and at the cross laid upon him the sins of all men. The Father saying to his dearly beloved Son, My Son, be thou Peter, that denier. Be thou Paul, that persecutor and blasphemer. Be David, that adulterer. Be thou that sinner which did eat the fruit in paradise. Be that thief which hanged upon the cross. My son, be thou briefly the person which hath committed the sins of all men. Did you hear your name in there? The one who has committed the sins of all men. And see therefore, my son, to it that thou dost pay with your life and your blood and satisfy for them all. Christ being for us what we've been. The sinner's substitute. That's exactly what Paul said. You heard him say it today. It's what Paul wrote 1,500 years before Luther ever, ever penned those, those words. It's exactly what Paul said. He said, all have sinned, but now are justified. That means declared by a judge, justified in his sight by grace as a gift. No work on your part, though it costs God dearly. Through the redemption, Paul says, that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation. It's by his blood, not yours. Christ being for us, would we have been the sinner's substitute? But friends, that's not all there is to this exchange. We also needed him to be for us not only what we'd been, but also what we of ourselves never could be. In this exchange, we needed a substitute who had never missed the mark, but hit every mark with every thought, thought and word spoken and indeed done. We needed our substitute to meet the standard of excellence that all others have missed, one in whom God the Father is indeed well pleased, so that he can be a sacrifice well-pleasing on behalf of all. We needed one who, with every shot in every day and hour of life, was no less than perfect par for the course. Why? So that he could exchange with us what, what we've done for what he's done. He takes your woefully inadequate scorecard in life, and he gives you his own perfect scorecard to call your own. For you know well that the scripture says your own righteousnesses, they're as filthy rags, but, and who would deny it, but you who trust in Jesus Christ have been robed in Christ's own righteousness. Sins covered over. Scripture speaks of this exchange better than any can when it says beautifully this, God made him who knew no sin to be your sin for you so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. That's a great exchange. That's, that's your, your righteousness from God Apart from the law, Paul speaks of that's the righteousness of God worn by each and every one of us who trusts in Christ Jesus. 
That's why with God himself, that's why with God himself we too hold that one is justified by faith. Faith in the work of Jesus Christ in his hands, not in the work of our own. And friend, the eternal consequences of that sentence upon you, they're real and they're great. I want to share with you some words. They're words from a correspondence or a series of of correspondence, letters made public to many some time ago. They're words written by a soul that's found no lasting contentment in the work of her own hands. The author writes, For me the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see. I listen and do not hear. The tongue moves in prayer but does not speak. She writes to a friend, I want you to pray for me. She writes further of, quote, a dryness, of a darkness inside, of a loneliness, a torture that had led her to doubt even the very existence of God himself. The smile, she would remark, quote, is a mask, a cloak that covers everything over. These words belong to Mother Teresa. Not even Mother Teresa can enjoy lasting contentment by the work of her own hands. Nor can you, nor can I. If you ever wonder, have I yet done enough to make me right with God? You're asking the wrong question. Ask instead, has enough been done? And then listen to Jesus' answer to you from the cross when he says, My friend, it is finished. For Sister Teresa, for me, for you, makes no difference. As Paul said, makes no difference who you are. There is a pair of hands that has taken all that we sinners are and then has given freely to us all that he is and has. Those hands are nail-pierced, and they belong to Jesus Christ. He's the one who made us right in God's sight. Blessed Reformation Sunday to you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
because we have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let us confidently approach the altar of our Lord, praying for the whole world, for the church, for all who are in need. We pray. Eternal and most merciful Father, you have chosen from every generation of man those who will confess you among the nations, enable your church in our day to be steadfast in the faith as she faithfully hears your word and gratefully receives your sacraments and proclaims your name throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Today we thank you especially for your servant Martin Luther and all your faithful servants in times past through whom you recalled and reformed and restored your church that bound by scripture alone she might be unyielding in her first confession of Jesus Christ as Lord alone. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Restore the strength, O Lord, of Lois Schneider and Phyllis Thompson as they continue their recovery from recent surgery. Bless the chemotherapy with which Michelle Senzig is being treated. Grant endurance and faith to the chronically ill, to Paul Duell, Richard and Elsie Mutch, Ruth Allfeld, August Senzig, Ralph Chambers, Sonia Heidemann. Bless your servant Vivian Sachs as she prepares for surgery. Grant peace of mind to our brother in Christ, Don Means, a lifelong friend of Ed Hefner who is terminally ill. Be with all of your servants who prepare for surgery or have undergone it and are asking for your daily strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For others among us who struggle with life's daily challenges resulting from financial hardship or unemployment or troubled relationships between husbands and wives and parents and children, we pray that you would guide them through your word as they apply its truths to all that confounds them, that with clarity of direction, they may see your will and do it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For mothers with child and all infants and the young, that they may be protected from infectious diseases that threaten the youth of the world. For newborns, especially Abigail priests, whom you have named and claimed as your own through holy baptism, that she would continue to grow stronger each day and in due time be restored to her parents at home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who mourn, that they may be comforted. For all who live alone and are lonely, that they may be encouraged by friends and family in the fellowship of the church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Look mercifully, O Lord, upon our nation, so divided by the important ethical and social issues that define our troubled times. Through leaders elected and legislation enacted, grant progress to our economy, preserve our communities and state and nation, Protect us from those without or within our country who would do us harm and rob us of constitutional rights and freedoms. Protect also the sanctity of all human life from the day of our conception on earth to the day of our God-ordained reception in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Raise up, O Lord, in your church men and women and children who so love and take to heart the truths of the Reformation, that in word and liturgy and song, they may weakly join with the church throughout all of the ages in raising high the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ before the world. To that end, bless our seminaries and their professors and all the pastors of your church, that through their faithful preaching and teaching, your spirit may ever reform your church as it is transformed by your word rather than being conformed to the ways of the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive us now at your table 
that we here might receive in faith the very body and blood of your Son, and be forgiven and strengthened by it to confess the doctrines of Christ as the united family of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Holy Father. Sustain us by your Holy Spirit, that we may treasure the great heritage of our faith and pass it faithfully from one generation to the next. To the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I now exhort you in Christ that you give attention to the testament of Christ in true faith, and above all, that you take to heart the words with which Christ presents his body and blood to us for forgiveness, that you take note of and give thanks for the boundless love that he has shown us when he saved us from the wrath of God and sin and death and hell by his blood as a guarantee and a pledge. Let us then in his name and according to his command and with his own words administer and receive the sacrament. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened unto us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying, on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and to be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.